things first. This is about truth telling. I have no agenda. Zero. I always have questions. What's the problem? That's just who I am. This is what no mercy is all about. Hey, here I come. You can book it. Ah. This is the moment of a lifetime. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gon' stop me high? Who gon' stop me high? Breath taking a move that I make. I give it everything I got. Cause that what it takes. I push the limit till it break. The heart of the brave. The soul of a legend with the will to be great. Hold up. Welcome. <laughs> What's up, everybody? Welcome to the latest edition of No Mercy, coming at you as I always love to do. Anywhere you can find your podcast, you can find No Mercy with your boy, Stephen A. As usual, we're here in the studio thanks to our official studio sponsor, FanDuel Sportsbook. FanDuel is the official sports betting company of the No Mercy podcast. Well, I did try to tell you. Did I not? Did I not tell you that come game two, Lakers are going to get their ass kicked. Now, I did say these things because we understand that if you sit up there and you get a one-game lead on Steph Curry on his home court, chances are they're going to have an answer. And we can bring up the eight threes and the 30 points from Klay Thompson. We can bring up the 20 points from Steph Curry. We can bring up Jermichael Green coming off the bench because Kevon Looney was sick and dropping 15 points. That included a couple of threes, so about three threes. We can bring up all of that. All of it. It all pales in comparison to Mr. Anthony Davis. 11 points. Did I, did I, need I say any more? I tried to tell you people this, okay? Did you know that coming in the game two of this Western Conference semifinal series between the Lakers and the Warriors, there's a statistic that I received from my researchers the other day and I made sure they double-checked it to confirm it. Odd statistic. In odd games, these playoffs, one, three, five, and then again, game one of the series, Anthony Davis is averaging 28 points, 17 rebounds on 55% shooting. In the even games, two, four, six against Memphis, and two, or coming in the game two on Thursday night against the Warriors, he's averaging 13 points and 11 rebounds on 39% shooting. Now, I don't know how to explain. I don't know what the hell is going on with this brother. He can't put back-to-back great games together to save his damn life. I don't understand it. I don't need to explain it. It is what it is. I think this series is going seven games. Anybody can win it, but I'm rolling with Steph. You're going to have to show me you can take Steph in order for me to believe that Steph Curry is going home prematurely. Which brings me to a deeper subject, the bigger subject that I kind of instigated the other day on purpose. Because damn it, I mean it. If Steph Curry wins this series and, dare I say, beats Denver in the next series, because I don't think Devin Booker and Kevin Durant are coming back from that series in Denver. I'm just being real with you. I'm just being real with you. If it ain't going to be a sweep, it's going to be a gentleman sweep. I don't see it going more than five games. But if Steph Curry 
manages to beat LeBron and then beat Denver and, dare I say, takes out Philly or Boston because I believe the winner of that series is going to the NBA Finals. If Steph Curry pulls this off, I think it's a worthy discussion as to whether or not somebody needs to be moved off the Mount Rushmore list of all of basketball in favor of Stephen Curry, the greatest shooter God has ever created. That's right, I said it. Now, I understand y'all sitting up there and y'all saying, what the hell Stephen A talking about? Let me break it down. If he wins, he'll have five titles. That would be more, one more than LeBron James. Four of those titles would have came courtesy of beating LeBron James. And for those that want to point to the fact that he had Kevin Durant and the deck was stacked once Kevin Durant arrived and, you know, from, from OKC to Golden State, I will remind you LeBron stacked the deck when he joined D-Wade and Bosch. Just like we want to point to that. Just like you want to point to, oh, well, you know what? LeBron, that first law when he lost to LeSteph, doesn't count because Kevin Love and Kyrie Irving got hurt and all he had was Matthew Della Vadova. My retort would be, what about 2016 when Adam Silver in the NBA gave LeBron that damn stimulus package by suspending Draymond Green for the kick that got him suspended for game five? That game five, Andre Iguodala and Andrew Bogut gets hurt. And they lose game five and six. And Steph Curry was hurt the whole series. And they ended up losing a 3-1 lead and losing the championship to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers. Kyrie shot over Steph. LeBron with the block on the Dollar layup that still lives in, you know, for, for eternity. We get all of that. We can throw all of that in the mix. But here's the reality. When we're talking about champions, when we talk about, for example, true shooting percentages, we know Steph is number one in history. When we talk about three-point shooting, we know Steph is the greatest God has ever created. LeBron might have him beat in points, rebounds, and assists, even field goal percentage shooting, but certainly not three-point percentage three, uh, shooting. Just like LeBron has revolutionized the game of basketball because of what he can do at six feet nine, 260 pounds, Steph Curry has revolutionized the game because he pulls up from parking lots. The brother pulls up from 40 on the regular. And because of him and his ball move, his movement without the basketball, this dude, you got to have your head on a swivel. Everybody's scared. You got little kids getting out of bed trying to be Steph Curry. They don't give a damn about Nike. They care about Under Armour. They don't mind the light-skinned baby face assassin. They think he's pretty. I mean, he's got it all. The team parties in Vegas, he don't come. You got guys drinking and having a ball, he don't do that. They partying, he in church. They hanging out with PC with his family, his wife and kids. I mean, everything about this dude is perfect. Perfect. And he's winning too. And then when we look at resumes, check this out. Well, Steph ain't a better all-around player than LeBron. We know that. I think LeBron's one of the top two players in the history of basketball. But since when has that influenced anybody when it comes to the Mount Rushmore? Was Wilt better than Bill Russell? Yes, he was. Did Bill Russell ever score 100 points in a game? Did he ever average 50 for a season? 
No, he did not. But he's got 11 titles. And Will Chamberlain had two. So guess what? We look at resumes. Why is Kareem on some people's list? 19-time All-Star, six-time champion, six-time league MVP. All of that stuff, the only individual in the history of the sport with one patented move, the sky hook, that is unduplicated, unrivaled by anyone. He had more titles than Wilt, too. But guess what? He only had one until he joined Magic and Worthy. And Byron Scott and Norm Nixon before him and Michael Cooper and Michael Thompson and the Kurt Rambuses of the world, all of that stuff. Bob McAdoo even. Kareem only had one title until he joined them. We left, when we talk about the Mount Rushmore, you've had some people that said, like me, Michael Jordan, LeBron James, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, Bill Russell. Others had Jordan, Magic, Kobe, Russell. They left Kareem off. If you can leave Kareem off, how come you can't leave LeBron off? He got two more titles than LeBron. He got two two more league MVPs than LeBron. He was the all-time scoring leader for NBA history for over two decades until LeBron eclipsed that. Nobody was saying anything then. So it ain't about who is the better player. It's about resumes. And I want somebody to tell me, how is LeBron James' resume, if Steph Curry wins a fifth title, how is LeBron James' resume better than Steph Curry's? You 6'9", 260. He's 6'3". Barely cracking 190, if that. He is the greatest shooter God has ever created. LeBron's a great all-around player. You want to sit up there, the same people that want to question me about this, want to throw shade on my argument, are the same people that try to malign me because I said he will never compare to Jordan. Not in my eyes. How can that be, Steve? How can that be? Well, I said, LeBron has one scoring title. MJ had 10. 10. 10. LeBron James, all defensive team. Damn it, I don't know how many times. I think it's like three or four. I might be being kind. I might be less. MJ, not nine. All defensive team. Every metric you can find is better than LeBron. It don't stop y'all from trying to put him ahead of MJ. So if you can do that with MJ, if you could do that with Bill Russell, if you could do that with with, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, if you can omit Magic from a list who's a five-time champion and the greatest point guard in history in most people's eyes, if you can omit him, if you can omit Kobe, a five-time champion, five. Why can't I question whether or not LeBron should be removed? See the logic? Somewhere along the way, consistency has to rule the day. Somewhere, and I submit to you, it's a challenge. A challenge that I challenge anybody to refute. Let's have a discussion about it. And by the way, you don't have to omit LeBron. Leave LeBron on the list with MJ. You taking off Kareem Abdul-Jabbar? You taking off Bill Russell? If one of those are not on your list in favor of Magic Johnson, you taking Magic Johnson off? These are questions. 
But at the end of the day, Steph Curry is going to go around universally recognized as the greatest shooter the game has ever seen, who's revolutionized the game of basketball, who is a five-time champion, who's beaten in some people's eyes what amounts to the greatest player ever four out of five times in an NBA Finals. And speaking of LeBron James, no shade because the brother is great. He's an all-time great. I'm just talking basketball here. But did you know that the only person that has lost more championships than LeBron James, because he's lost six. Four and six in the finals. And damn it, if Greg Popovich had left Tim Duncan in the game to grab a damn rebound, it would have been three and seven. Because the Spurs would have beat him. Instead of Bosch grabbing the rebound, kicking it out to Ray Allen, and Ray Allen drilling the three from the right corner. They'd have beat him. But I digress. It's a very simple thing to say. He's lost six times. Do you know the only people who have lost more championships than LeBron James is Elgin Baylor, who was 0-7, and Jerry West, who was 1-8, the silhouette. That's it. LeBron is actually third on that list. You still want to act like I don't have an argument? You know better. I got a lot more to get into. I'm a shift left. But it's not just to the UFC. It's to something a former UFC fighter is doing. It's kind of big time. Jorge Masvidal. He's up next with your boy, Stephen A. Don't touch that dial. No mercy. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? My guest is one of my favorite people in the MMA, in the world of, in the world of sports, period. He holds the record for the fastest knockout in UFC history at five seconds and won the symbolic UFC BMF championship belt. But after a 20-year career in the octagon, he recently retired and yet is still making noise in the sport with his icon FC and game-bred bare-knuckle boxing. Tonight, fans will see Roy Nelson face off against Dylan Kleckler in the game-bred bare-knuckle main event. He's here to tell us all about it. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Jorge Masvidal. What's going on, my man? Good, man. Living. How you doing? It's good to see you, man. Just fixing my microphone here. So talk to me about this. Bare Knuckle MMA. Why this? Um, I'm so glad you asked. Um, you remember everybody first got to see me on Kimball, Kimball Slice's backyard 20-something yep. years ago, 22 years ago. And um, it was Bare Knuckle. It was, it was uh, illegal back then. It was very hush-hush on the low. We couldn't really give out locations or, or or put the videos up on live time. They would drop many days after this and that. And yeah. that's where I got my, my shine. You know, Kimball had around, back then I remember he was averaging 20 to 40 million views a fight. Wow. It was crazy, you know, and not Michael Jackson, no, nobody had these numbers. It was just Kimball. He was like the first guy on YouTube. Then he blew off. Nobody could catch up to him. You know, it was nuts. A Kimball video would get released. It was the wildest thing ever. You know, so um, he invited me onto his platform to come compete. He didn't charge me any money. He didn't 
I didn't, you know, he didn't ask anything from me, but just come over here and compete. We were at the same gym, had seen me working out for, for numerous months already and just said, hey, would you like to compete in our backyard? I was like, hell yeah, bro, are you kidding me? You're, you're fucking Kimbo Slice. I'm nobody. I'm just uh, some amateur dude, you know, that works out with you. And he brought me on over, gave me the chance to, to do my thing and showcase my skills to the world. So fast forward 20-something years later, I'm getting to do the same thing for these guys. I'm giving them my platform, my shine. Everything that I got, like, here, come take it. Come walk through these doors, put on a great show, and let's go. The only difference now is that the bare knuckle is legal now, you know? So it's like mm -hmm. full 360, man. It's it's a crazy... Well, crazy it's not legal... It it's not legal everywhere. It's still no. it's still not legal everywhere, and I know mm. that. Uh, but but I, I wonder in a time that we all know violence comes with there. You boxing, you you doing MMA. Violence comes with it. I understand that. You understand it. We get all of that. But even in your days in the UFC, they had you wearing some gloves. They yeah. had something as opposed mm. to being knuckles. When we talk about living in a day and age where you got CTE, you got brain damage. They talk about that mostly in football, of course. But we know that exists in the world of MMA, in the world of boxing and beyond as well. Are you concerned at all of the kind of damage bare knuckle competition can do? I'm, I'm more concerned like aesthetically, like their faces, how they look because they look pretty beat up. But usually if you take like a big shot, it's, it's different than boxing, right? So big, boxing, you take this big shot, you go down, you got nine, 10 seconds to recover, and then you end up getting stopped five, six laters and you just took this accumulation of punching. Bare knuckle, they hit you one good time, you go down, they touch you two more times, the fight is over. So it's not mm. that accumulation of punches, though it, you know, to to most of us, it looks much more violent because if I head kick you and then I follow up on it, you know, it, it looks so brutal, right? As in boxing, you right. get to like chill, but actually that that 10 seconds that you get to recover means you're only gonna take more punishment, you know? Mm. So in MMA, uh, that's why we have a lot fewer deaths than, than any other combat sport, is is because the, the way that it is, you're not going to take as much abuse as you think. And uh, the only thing I get worried for, for the fighters is is like their hands getting injured and stuff like that. But also it, it opens up a lot of other things like the submissions are easier to get in because you don't have these big gloves with the pad that you have to make a grip and then get the gloves through the gloves. You know, now the hands just slip in there a lot quicker, whether right. it be like ankle locks or, or rear naked chokes, things like that. So, so submission grapplers will start, especially the high level submission guys, they'll start to come on over more and more as we evolve. Now you talked about, you just said ago, you just said a second ago that when they drop you, they just tap you twice. For those that don't understand, explain what you mean by that. It ain't a 10 second count. You say they just tap you twice. What do you mean by that? I mean, I, let, I head kicked the dude, he fell on the ground and I went one, two, and before I get cocked on this third one, the referee's already in there. Boom, he's already Got broken it. it up. That's all the damage you took there, you know? Um, if it was boxing, You'd go down, you'd be either you'd be out cold that the guy just went out cold completely mm -hmm. or he's like startled, world mm -hmm. is spinning on skates. He's got 10 mm -hmm. seconds to recuperate. Now he gets back up. The referee looks at him, are you okay? Cleans his gloves, mm -hmm. looks at the other guy, go. And you've had that 10 to 20 second break to refresh your brain and now right. go back at it again. Um, yeah, it gets to extend you. You get to keep fighting. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, numbers don't lie. You're going to take more punishment. What's the uh, what's the motivation for you behind this? Is it to build the sport or is it to popularize the fighters to such a degree that UFC or professional boxing or somebody like will come calling them to participate in those sports? Combo of things. Um, like I said, we're, we're going to open the doors to these fighters. Obviously, I want to build 
the brand, the the bare knuckle MMA, because I, I just think it's different. You know, you have to be a little bit more precise with your shots. You can't be hitting somebody at the top of the head. You, yep. you got to be a little pickier. <clears throat> the risk to rewards a lot higher. And like I said, the submissions are a little bit easier to get in. So I think it's just going to create for a lot more action, a lot more finishes. You know, so I, I love that aspect of it. So I definitely want to create the brand as big as possible. But at the end of the day, it's always going to be about the fighters, man. Because I've been a fighter my whole life. That's all I know. I want these guys to come get their shine on, get as much exposure as they can. And if they got a better deal than what we're offering, hey, man, take it. You know, we're, we're going to offer as, as good as deals as we get. And as we keep growing and getting bigger, we'll only keep offering a bigger revenue share to these fighters. So, so you know, it, it makes sense to them for them to come on over and fight for us. I got to tell you something, man. I think you cut yourself short. You sit up there and say it's a fighter. That's all you know. Well, actually, I think you'll be a hell of a promoter. I think when you want to promote something, you do a hell of a job of promoting it. I mean, I, I want to give you credit where credit is due because you had everybody wanting to watch your fight because win, lose, or draw. We were going to see something special when it came to your fights. No doubt about that. Are you Love really you, into... Oh, come on. Ain't nothing but love for you. You know that. Uh, when, when you think about you, and what you've been able to accomplish in your career. Are you satisfied with departing from the world of literal competition to the point where you're now promoting as opposed to fighting? Do you think that's something that you're going to want to do for the foreseeable future? Um, you know, as I look back on my career, um, on many levels, I'm so, so happy, so thankful to God, so thankful to my fans, thankful to anybody that ever tuned into a fight, thankful. For every coach, every sparring partner I got in the mat and broke a sweat with, you know, um, I like I've said numerous times, you know, I had very humble beginnings and I'm good now. My family's good. My kids are good. My mom is good. My dad is good. We're all good on, on a monetary level. We're, we're all good on on a lot of stuff. I'm good. You know, it's, it's me being a household name has opened up many other doors as far as business right. and getting, you know, connections for my kids to go to better schools. So I have nothing but like the best to say about my time in this sport. I, I truly am I, I'm blessed and I, and I thank God for it. But on like a personal side, on the pro side, I, I felt like there's a lot more things I could have done, you know? And and the hindsight is 2020, you know? Like now that the Eagles are completely out of the system and I look back, I'm like, damn, that's right, man. My coach did tell me don't do this because this is going to lead to that and that is going to lead to this. And then come fight night, you're not going to be the same. And, and it was like numerous little things like that where I'm like, oh man, you crazy, bro. You're tripping. Right. And you know, now the hindsight is like, man, I, I could have gone a little further. I could have done a little better. What's done... your biggest regret? What's your biggest um, regret? Biggest regret? Talk uh, along the lines of what you're talking about. Things that you could, something you could have done, but you didn't do. I don't know what it is. I can't imagine what it is. You tell well, me. I'll tell you something that eventually I, I grew out of this, you know, from, from talking to coaches and stuff. But uh, I will, you know, just growing up, in the street, growing up while my, my, my routines were like a little different, you know, and I naturally sleep like four or five hours a day max. So a lot of the times, man, I'd be out to like late four or five in the morning, go to the gym at like nine o'clock, work my ass off, beat everybody in that room, you know, and then do the same thing and just constantly keep like this lifestyle. And it wasn't so much later, like that I realized I, yes, I could be the best guy in this room and a lot of other rooms. But is is that being the best version of me? Is this really the best version of me? Even if I don't sleep at night and I just lay in bed, I just need to lay there. I need to not do all these things. So it, it took a little bit of time. It wasn't until I was in, in mid-20s that I started, like, following more through on this. And then I started slowly and surely seeing more and more results, you know. Um, and, and like that, I have, like, 
just different, like little regrets, you know, on, on the higher right. approach of training camp. Maybe I did too much at one time and too little at another time because, right. you know, the ways that I, that I thought that the formula work out, like let's work out as hard as I can right now. And and then, you know, we'll do this later. So I, that hindsight is 2020, man. Well, I got, I got, I got, you know, I mean, we don't see each, we don't see each other often, but whenever we see each other, we always vibe, we always talk. And, and, and I got a lot of love for you. And I know, that your heart's in the right place. And I look at, and I listen to a lot of things that you say, and I'm wondering at this point in time in your life, because of all that you've been through, you're going to be in a position where cats on the come up. You're going to be able to espouse some words of wisdom to guide them and, and, and to hope and to help them kind of avoid some of the pitfalls you may have avoided. I'm wondering, are you going to be anxious to do that? Or are you going to be one of those people that said, I did it and I might've done it the wrong way. So who the hell am I to tell them what to mind? I'm kind of wondering which, which mentality is going to take over. Are you going to be on them? Like, listen, man, you got an opportunity. Here it is. This is what you need to do. Or are you going to be one of those dudes that says, Hey man, I made my mistakes. I got to give them the latitude and the freedom to make theirs. Which, which Jorge Masvidal is going to be? Is it, is that going to be? The combo platter, right? Cause I, uh, <laughs> I, I, I like to, combo you know, platter. if, if I may, like, if I could tell you something that might help you out, especially that I went through it and like, hey, listen, I, I you know, I, a lot of the things that you're li living, I used to live as well. And I noticed when I cut that off, I, I made a big jump. You know, I could tell somebody once, twice, but then after that, I, I'm nobody's parent either. You know, it's like, and especially who am I, you know, if I tell somebody once and I tell them twice after that, you know, I feel like I'm, I'm being a little bit too pushy. So I, I definitely, right. just like an American top team now, I've worked with a lot of the guys since amateurs to now. Them having world championships and 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 doing many great things in the sport, I've I've always uh taken a lot of these younger guys under my wing and just open up what I know and and what I think they should stay away from, what the things that I think they should focus. And a lot of guys listen to me. A lot of guys don't, you know. And and it's just a sport. It's how it works, man. Um, I got all this experience inside me, and I give it away for free to my fellow fighters, my brothers and right. sisters in there. But you know, you can bring the horse to water. It's up to the horse to do. Can't the make them drink. Can't make them drink. No doubt about it. Um, you retired from the UFC after the latest loss to Gilbert Burns. There was obviously something inside of you that said, I don't have it anymore. You had ended, you ended your career in the UFC losing four straight, twice to uh, obviously Usman and of course uh, the loss to Colby Covington and then the, to Burns. You just felt like you didn't have it anymore? Were you tired? What was it? Um, right around like... 34, I would say I was in the peak of my reflexes. Like the bullets are coming and I'm still seeing them in slow motion. Like if I was 24, I'm thinking like this getting old stuff is for everybody else but me. 36 comes around. I start noticing a difference now in the gym. I'm like, man, I'm getting hit a lot more than I ever used to, you know, in the gym, which is not something common. You know, my coach is not even used to me getting hit too much in the gym because I just have of all the gifts that God bestowed upon me. The reflexes and radar is probably the one that's the most sophisticated. I've always had this one well, well, well adapted, even beyond my years. Since I was like a kid in, in, in the ring, six, seven, eight years old, I could just dodge a bullet. I, I didn't know too much about boxing yet, even my early stuff, but it was just very hard to hit me because I had this natural dawn that I just somehow, some way from not knowing, I just had these Spider-Man reflexes. I started noticing at 36, it started taking like a rather big dip. And now at 38, I, I feel like I'm, I'm like a millimeter, a millisecond off in my game speed, right? So from, from here, like when you make a move and you go like this and that move is coming to me, 
so much data is getting processed up here, you know, and depending on the distance, I have even more time to process that data. It feels like that processing data center is like a millisecond off. And when I'm going against these world-class snipers, the best of the best in the world, when I'm off that millisecond, it's crazy, you know, because I could still do a lot of competitive things as far as like working out. I'm mm-hmm. still explosive, strong, and got good endurance, but just those right. like neural connectors, it's like a slight bit off. I got to tell you, man, I got to tell you, because, you know, I've always been honest with you. I'm not going to stop now. When you lost to Colby Covington, one of the things that alarmed me was how fatigued you looked. Yeah. You looked so tired. And I know there was real genuine hostility between you two. And everybody knows the story, how far y'all go back. But when I saw that level of hostility, I know how badly you wanted it to beat him and how, and how much you trained for that fight. To see you belaboring with your breathing the way that you did, that was when I said, wow, you know, it, it, it looks like age is creeping in. Yeah. Age is creeping in more so than anything. I'm just talking strict. I'm just talking yes, strictly conditioning. I'm not oh, talking yeah. skill. I'm talking strictly 100%. conditioning. Was I right about that? Was I right about 100%. that? 100%. Also, um, right, right before the fight, I went out to California for the Super Bowl to do a, a meeting for like Panini. I ended up coming back. I got sick. I live with my dad, so I thought I had corona. I went and oh. got tested for corona. I didn't have corona. I did catch the flu. This was like three weeks before. So like 10 mm. days later, I finally get rid of the flu. I go into the fight and fight. Um, My weight was all over the place. It had dropped really quick. And then after I got unsick, it shot up, you know, and um, it wasn't my best weight cut. And it definitely wasn't my best performance. And and if I could, if there's a fight that I would come back for, that that is a motherfucker I would come back for and just bust him in the fucking face, man. So you still don't like him? You still don't like him? Hell no, bro. If if I was the sea buddy right now, allegedly, mm-hmm. he wouldn't have such a good time if he was to run into me. You know. Now you now you know what I say to you about that because because we cool. I could tell you, don't don't do that. Don't get yourself. Let, you live in a good life. I said, allegedly. I said, I said allegedly. I said, I did say allegedly. I did say allegedly. I did say allegedly. I'm just saying, just, this is your boy talking to you. Don't get yourself in trouble. Don't get Never. in. You, you living a good life. You're being a promoter now. You're promoting a sport. You got your whole future ahead of you. And by the way, you're talking to a 55-year-old dude. You ain't even 40 yet. You got your whole life ahead of you, man. Don't get yourself in no trouble over something like Never. that. If you're ever going to fight him again, make sure it's legal. In the, in the cage, in the Always. octagon, make sure that. All right? That's what I say. If I come back. If. To fight him. If. That's if. a dude. But, but you just finished saying, if you'd ever come back to fight, and it would be to fight him. You did say that. More, more than likely. More than likely. More than likely. Mm-hmm. All right. Last, before I let you get on out of here, what do you want everybody to know about this bare knuckle competition that you've got going on? What do you want everybody to walk away with thinking about this? These guys, when they're backstage, and I've been at 100 boxing shows backstage. I've been at 100 MMA shows backstage. I've been at 100 all types of combat sports. When, when the bare knuckle guys are ready to go on backstage, it's, it's like a different freaking feel, you know? And it's because the bullets now are flying both ways. You're, you're sending bullets, these freaking knuckles right to you. Bears can be, but they're also coming back. So these guys got like a little bit of extra, like, man, this is literally as real as it gets. I could go out there and get my face destroyed or wreck the dude and, and then the fight is over. So there, there's a lot of like uh, this special like tension, kind of like uh, like how 
commentators would describe when like Tyson was walking out back in the day and there was like this mm-hmm. this thing in the air where you knew something freaking violent was about to happen and there was no stopping it. It's kind of like the same thing, man. It's like this this energy back there. So these guys are giving it all they got. They know that the risk to reward is at the highest it's ever been. And they're there to compete. So if you're tuning in May 5th, just get ready. You Make sure you're ready for this, man, because it's some violence. Where's the event going to be at, exactly? At the FLA Live Arena. Tickets available at Ticketmaster.com, Stephen. I wish you could make it, man. I know you're a busy man. I would love to have you man, here. Man, I'm out here. I'm out here doing the NBA stuff like that, doing the I NBA know, playoffs. Man, got love for you. Heat, Tell me about the heat. We're going to bring it home, right? I ain't picking y'all against my Knicks, even though y'all do look better than them right now. You look better than them. And by the way, let me say this. I'm a native New Yorker. I'm a diehard New York Knicks fan. But there are worse things to do than to end up stuck in Miami. I will say that. There are worse things that could happen in your life than to end up stuck in Miami. I, I mean, if they beat the Knicks and I end up in Miami, I think I'll get over it. I think. Eventually. You'll be all right. All right? You'll be all right. All the best to you, man. Listen, by the way, don't stop with the promoting. Don't stop with the promoting. And by the way, by the way, you should kind of think about some color commentary. I think you'd do great. I think you'd do great. Thinking about it. You should do it. I got some interesting offers on the table. You stay connected to the sport. And and, and by the way, you don't have to get hit to do it. That's true, man. That's true. It's good money. I got got some interesting offers on the table. Once I get these offers, I would love to break them on your show. I got some interesting... Holla at me. Let me talk to you about that. A little boxing there, maybe. Who knows? I, I don't know, man. There's an I'm exhibition just match. There's a lot of talking going on right don't, now. No, 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 no exhibition matches. Stop fighting. Promoting. No, stop fighting. And okay, commenting. Fighting's done. Only promoting. Promote. Make the money. Promote. Make the money without getting hit. Make the money with... Have, have you not seen that it's worked for me? Making the money without getting hit? <laughs> Killing my it. man. All right, bro. We'll talk soon, man. God bless you, Stephen. Thank you, my brother, for the love always, brother. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Welcome back to No Mercy with your boy, Stephen A. You know, as I'm sitting here thinking about it, it's a damn shame that I'm having this discussion about the likes of a LeBron James and 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 a Steph Curry, but Kevin Durant is not a part of this discussion. It breaks my heart because that brother about to go home. Phoenix, I can't see them winning this series against Denver. Can't see it. I think they're too thin. Monty Williams hasn't used his bench. Coming in the game three, Friday night, in Phoenix, I suspect they'll win a game, but I don't think they'll win both. Denver is bigger. They're stronger. They're tougher. They're more athletic. Um, and they've got shooters surrounding Jokic. I'm just trying to figure out, if you DeAndre Ayton, have you no shame? Have you no shame? Now, I understand that Nikola Jokic is something different. Waddling down, waddling and walking around like you're pregnant half the time. Okay. Can't jump onto a curb to save his damn life. And the man cannot be stopped. Boy, is he a great player. 
He's unbelievable. Got a lot of heart, exceptional passer, high basketball IQ. He's something special. But last time I checked, DeAndre Ayton does have a pulse. He is 6'11", damn near seven feet tall. How the hell are you averaging just 14 points a game when this brother, Nikola Jokic, is averaging 37 and 15 on 51% shooting? That's just embarrassing. I mean, are you just planning your vacation in the Bahamas? What the hell is going on? It makes no sense. But the bottom line is, the real culprit in all of this is a person that I love dearly, got a lot of respect and affection for. His name is Coach Monty Williams. You haven't used your bench. Did you know that coming into game three, I believe the Phoenix Suns bench is averaging about 14.3 points per game. Do y'all realize that in this postseason, there are 52 individual players who've averaged more than Phoenix's entire bench this postseason? You have any idea how embarrassing that is? You take away the top four, Booker, Durant, CP3, and DeAndre Ayton. Did y'all know that the entire rest of Phoenix's roster, there's not a single player that's averaging more than three and a half points a game? Now, that's just embarrassing. So I can't see them coming back from this. I hope I'm wrong because I'd much rather be in Phoenix than Denver, but I doubt it. I don't have no problem against the city of Denver. You got a great fan base and a whole stuff, but your airport's about an hour and 15 minutes away from, from civilization. I'm just not feeling y'all. I'm just not feeling that, that, that drive to downtown from the airport. I'm just not feeling it. What do you want me to say? But the airport is nice. It's big and it's nice. But it's another city in and of itself. It's like the lost world for crying out loud. But I digress. Denver will win this series. Y'all didn't think I was going to get. I was going to forget my Knicks, did y'all? Orange and blue skies, baby. Orange and blue skies. Here we come, you know. I understand, you know, it's one one. You know, I understand. Miami coming. Jimmy Butler, that ankle's hurt. I hope you get better. Hope you get better. But I believe in my boys. Jalen Brunson, Julius Randle, and RJ Barrett all had at least 24 points apiece. 30, 25, and 24 to be exact. I'm very, very happy with my New York Knicks right now. I'm still not happy with the way they're shooting. They need to shoot better. They need to neutralize the Miami Heat from making some three-point shots. Don't have Gabe Vincent looking like the second coming of Seth, uh, Steph Curry or anything like that. But I believe in my Knicks. Philly and Boston, I think that's going to be a nip and tuck series. But Boston kicked their ass in game two. And I think they sent the message. There's levels to this and we don't believe y'all are on it. So I'm paying attention to that. I'm paying attention to that. And we shall see what is going to happen. But where I'm looking at it and where I'm coming from with it, I got to tell you. I'm feeling my Knicks right now. And it's just important to me to let y'all know that because it matters, damn it. I am a native New Yorker, born in the Bronx, raised in Hollis, Queens. I've had a tough life as a New York Knicks fan. We have suffered dearly. Now, you know how much I have to love my Knicks because after all, the alternative is to end up in Miami. There are worse things to happen in life than to have to end up in Miami. I'm here to tell you. But I'm hoping to avoid Miami because that's how hard I'm rooting for my Knicks. I believe in them. I believe they will find a way and I believe they will win this series in seven games and they will advance to the Eastern Conference Finals. We just got to pull it together. That's all.
Now, Jimmy Butler ain't going to be 100%. So when he gets back on the court, make him put some pressure on that ankle. And listen, damn it. Desperate times call for desperate measures. I ain't trying to tell you to twist up his ankle or anything like that. I'm not encouraging you to untie his shoelaces and let him trip over and twist his ankle or something like that. But if you could force him to put pressure where he doesn't want to put pressure, which will leave him hobbled, I'm not going to be averse to such a strategy. These things are necessary when you are trying to win. And I want everybody to know that. Because I'm all about New York, baby. I'm all about New York. Speaking of New York, there's a story for me to transition to some serious matters as opposed to sports. There's a story that's been percolating in New York City over the uh, last few weeks or so. Days, I'm sorry. Because a homeless man, homeless individual, um, ended up being choked to death. Uh, because he had gotten on the subway tracks, um, a subway station, a hut subway train, and he seemed a bit unstable. He was loud, supposedly ripped off his shirt and stuff like that, and sort of scared some folks. And because he said he scared some folks, he was a black man, and he scared some folks. And this white dude jumped up. And put him in a chokehold. The homeless man's name was Jordan Neely. He was killed by another New York City subway passenger who held him in a chokehold for several minutes, according to police in a video taken of the incident. This is according to ABC News that I'm reading from. Neely had been allegedly yelling and ranting on the train before being subdued by another subway passenger, according to independent journalist Juan Alberto Vasquez, who reported on the incident via the Facebook page, Lucis de Nueva York. I don't have food. I don't have a drink. I am fed up, Neely said, according to Vasquez. I don't care if I go to jail and if they give me life in prison, I'm ready to die. That's what the homeless man said. And then according to the NYPD, a 24-year-old man subdued Neely, who was allegedly harassing passengers and making threats. Police sources told ABC News that the man was not specifically being threatened by Neely when he intervened. Cell phone video taken by Vasquez captured the video after, uh, captured the aftermath. And the footage appears to show Neely being choked by another subway passenger as a different passenger holds down Neely until he stops moving. Police confirmed Neely lost consciousness after the physical struggle. Neely was rushed to Lenox Hill Hospital, where he was pronounced dead. The medical examiner determined that Neely was killed by the chokehold, and his death has been ruled a homicide. The 24-year-old man was questioned by detectives and released, according to police. And naturally, you have a number of politicians that are going out. They're calling it murder. They're going off about all of this stuff. Uh, Mayor uh, Eric Adams of New York City said, let the DA do this job. Let them investigate the matter. They'll reach a conclusion. We'll go from there. <sighs> Number one, <clears throat> it's unfortunate that this man is dead. My heart goes out to him and his family. Um, as an aside, um, there are several people that I know of who will remain nameless that have committed suicide in recent memory. There's a lot of depression that's going on out there. It's a lot due to loneliness, 
um, the Surgeon General of the United States of America has honed in on loneliness as being a contributing factor to an insurmountable amount of depression that has ultimately led to people contemplating, if not ultimately committing suicide. And it's something that he feels that this country should focus on a bit more. Um, I have interviewed him recently, and we'll be airing that interview in short order very, very soon. Having said all of that, I applaud the mayor of New York City for saying, let's find out what happened. Let's investigate. Because you see, even though I don't like what happened and my heart goes out to Jordan Neely, who clearly appeared to have had some issues. Um, and I'm certainly not condoning murder by any stretch of the imagination. When people sit up there and say, well, he wasn't bothering that particular passenger. How many times have stuff gone on in the streets of America where people are advocating involvement from folks? In other words, don't sit idly by and watch something happen. Don't sit idly by and let harm come to a fellow citizen and all of this other stuff. We've heard people say that on many occasions. So in other words, they want you to do something. Now, that doesn't mean he's justified in doing what he did. And I'm certainly not here to defend him because I know nothing about this other than what I read. But the flip side to it all is. Upon further investigation. Once we find out the particulars of what transpired, only then can we pass judgment. Because if you felt that this person was a threat, because all we see all over the news, every time we turn around, are people being threatened and people's lives being endangered, particularly in the streets of New York City, and especially in the subway system, which has been deemed unsafe even by politicians and elected other elected officials and law enforcement personnel. Everybody's been talking about how unsafe it is. So when that kind of imagery is projected to the masses and then you get on a train and suddenly you encounter something like that something is bound to happen it shouldn't have been to this extent there's no question about that but what was the intent that matters too so all i would say is i'll leave it to law enforcement officials and district attorney's office They'll do their due diligence with their investigation. But I also think that this is just a teachable moment for everybody. When is enough enough? I mean, if you're skilled enough to know how to put somebody in a chokehold, you're skilled enough to know what kind of impact that's bound to have. So rather than choking him for minutes, you could have choked him for seconds just to subdue him until law enforcement came. That one could easily make that argument. But then again, we weren't on that train. We don't know how wild he is and we, he was. And we don't know what kind of formidable threat he truly, truly was. All of those things are things that we need to consider. Just a thought. Drawing no conclusions until we know more. I told y'all I had something to bring up about Will Smith. And I'll get to that in just a minute. Don't touch that dial. Last segment of No Mercy coming up. Back with more in a minute. This is the moment of a lifetime. Uh-huh. The clock's ticking like my lifeline. Until I flatline, I push it to the red line. Who gonna stop me high? Who gonna stop me high? Before I get on out of here today, I have to talk about this. Because <clears throat> I'm getting tired of some of the stuff that people are saying 
acting like they don't know what the hell is going on. Okay? Will Smith is making news because they're in Atlanta, Georgia right now filming Bad Boys 4. That's what they're doing. That's what we're being told. Okay? And I get it. I understand where everybody's coming from. I truly do. Okay? Because Bad Boys, one of my favorite movies, favorite franchises, no doubt about it. I love me some Martin Lawrence. I can't get enough of watching his old episodes of Martin. He ain't going to have a bigger fan than me. And I understand this love affair that everybody has with Will Smith. Hell, I do. I love Will Smith. Will Smith was a, a good brother for many, many years, and he's probably a good brother now. But we got to put stuff into perspective when it comes to Will. People speculating it'll never be the same or whatever. And then you got other people saying, oh, please, it ain't no big deal. We'll overcome that, blah, blah, blah. I want to hear all that. Will Smith was perfection. Career unblemished. Class personified, highly intelligent, highly accomplished. As an actor, as a rap artist, the list goes on and on. The brother is special. There is no doubt about that. But I want to remind y'all, he slapped Chris Rock on international television. The Academy Awards was seen across the globe. He slapped that man in public. When, if Will Smith were to pass away a decade from now, they would still play that clip. If Chris Rock passed away, they will play that clip. You embarrassed, humiliated, and assaulted that man. It's not going away. See, we forget stuff. And we're a very forgiving society. When you hurt yourself, you hurt your reputation, you hurt yourself physically, you do harm to yourself, whatever. When you do something to other people, not so much. And we keep forgetting that do y'all understand that right now, Chris Rock could wake up and decide, I want to press charges against Will Smith. And there's nothing Will Smith could do about it. Chris Rock could sit up there and say, I got punitive damages. I mean, there's residual effects from what this man did to me. He harmed my career, he harmed my reputation, he did this, he did that. Psychologically, I'm warped. The harm he's done to my children, my family, he could do that. Instead, Chris Rock went back to work, told you he wasn't a victim, signed a deal, got $20 million from Netflix, probably walked away with about six after having to pay after every damn body, managers, agents, and all of this other stuff. He ain't making Will Smith money. And Will Smith, in the meantime, gets to live his life. Now, you can sit up there and say what you want to say, but it's not right. Now, I'm not sitting up there and advocating that everywhere Will Smith goes, somebody should bother him. He ain't slapped them. And I get that part. I know that I would treat him with the respect that he deserves over his body of work as not just as a professional, but as a man for decades representing us in pristine fashion. But listen, all of us ain't Jesus. It ain't easy to forgive. 
And I'm going to put it in this proper perspective because I'm getting sick and tired of people not really, really bringing up this point. Would you have slapped a white man on that stage like that? There's no way in hell Will Smith would have done that. I know there's brothers he wouldn't have slapped. He wouldn't have slapped 50 Cent. He wouldn't have slapped the Wayne the Rock Johnson. He wouldn't have slapped those kind of people either. He wouldn't have done that. You understand what I'm saying? Hell, he wouldn't have slapped, he wouldn't have slapped Snoop Dogg. He might not have lived. Okay? Wasn't going to slap no Jamie Foxx or somebody like that. He wasn't going to do that. He knew who he was slapping. Chris Rock is absolutely right about that. Okay? Damon Wayans pointed that out. You sat up there and you slapped a man about 60, 70 pounds lighter than you that you knew had no snowball's chance in hell of being able to retaliate physically, as in whip your ass right on the spot. You didn't do that. Will Smith did not do that. He picked on the person that he knew he could get away with it with. But that's a different subject. And in some people's eyes, debatable. Here's what's not debatable. You slapped a black man on national television, global television, and you did it on a night that a black man was producing the Academy Awards, Awards for the first time in history. No one ever brings up Will Packer. No one ever brings up how Will Smith ruined that night. Because you were caught up in your emotions. Now, I leave it for Chris Rock to say all of this other stuff, but I'm looking at this stuff and they're talking about how they're filming Bad Boys and stuff like that. And they're worried about it not being successful. And the original Bad Boys grossed $141 million at the global box office. The second one earned $273 million. Bad Boys for Life grossed a shocking $426 million on a $90 million budget. However, Will Smith's Oscar slap could prove to be a problem because the actor's reputation with the general public has degraded quite a lot. I'm not going to lie. I'm one of those people. I loved the movie Hitch. I haven't watched it since Will Smith slapped Chris Rock. Bad Boys for Life. I watch it for a couple of minutes. Then I say, oh, and then I see him and I get agitated and I got to turn it. And I loved Bad Boys, too, because my girl, Gabrielle Union, was in that one. It's my girl right there. All right. Married to D-Wade. I've known Gabrielle for years. Love her to death. And she was sensational in that movie. And that was the best Bad Boys in them. I can't bring myself to watch it from start to finish. I got to turn the channel. I can't take it because I keep thinking about what the hell Will Smith did to Chris Rock. I don't like it. I really, really don't. Now, you know what I think should happen should have happened to that man, meaning Will Smith. I still feel that way. And most of you do, too. But I come from an even deeper place because I'm like, how could you do this to Will Packer? No one says that enough. Yeah, he got the numbers and he got the ratings and everybody knows it wasn't his fault. And he did a damn good job. But at the end of the day, that happened on his watch. What's the chances you think a black man is going to have of producing the Oscars again? How about the Oscars that just passed? It was a little bit different, wasn't it? You can't get around it. So when everybody's talking about Will Smith and whether or not people are going to recover, they're not going to recover. That image is still in your head. It's one of those moments where you can remember exactly where you were when it transpired. Because you couldn't believe he did the shit. Couldn't believe it. Couldn't believe he did it. But he did. And listen, 
Will Smith is going to make money. Will Smith is going to be successful. Will Smith being banned from the Oscars don't mean a damn thing. He didn't want to go anyway from what I heard. He's banned for the next 10 years. Didn't want to go anyway. But at the end of the day, the real question is, will he ever be the same in our eyes? That answer is no. You know why? Because you hurt somebody else, not yourself. And the fact that you did that to another man, another black man, especially any man, actually, is unconscionable. He'll make his money. He'll be all right. But he'll never be the Will Smith that we knew, the infallible one, the near flawless, unblemished one. And even though I'm quite sure there was a part of him that wanted that because he is hard to walk around with this perfect, pristine image, he didn't want this kind of heat. I personally know people that would want to kick Will, Will Smith's ass in the streets if they ran into him. Just because of what he did to Chris Rock, they don't even know Chris Rock. Just the nerve and the gall for him to do what he did. That's what he has to live with. I'm a fan. I respect him. I love him. I appreciate the great work that he's done over the years. But I don't love him more than I love my brother Chris Rock. And even though I would never hate him, what he did was unforgivable. 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 And that's what he's going to have to live with for the rest of his years. That's why you saw Nick Cannon when Red Table Talk got canceled. He like, good, it's toxic. Because there are a lot of people blaming Jada, his wife. I'm not going that far. I don't even need to go there. Will Smith is a grown-ass man. He ain't had to do that. That was his choice. No matter what Jada may or may not have had to do with it, at the end of the day, that's on him. Ain't no way around that. I'm out, y'all. Till next time. Peace and love. Enjoy the weekend. This has been a presentation of Cadence 13, an Odyssey company in association with Stephen A. Podcast Productions. Episodes of No Mercy are available now for free wherever you get your podcasts.